Hey, listen, guys, we're starting a brand new sermon series today, and I'm really excited about it. It's called Nope, Not Today, Satan. How many of you guys have seen those Not Today, Satan shirts? You've seen those before? Yeah, they have them at Christian Soldier. They have them at Christian bookstores. And so here's what we did. Before I jump into the sermon, I just want to kind of explain the the message of the shirt, the message of the the series, and, and really talk about the shirt for just a second. Uh, so this is kind of our spin on that, and uh, here's what I hope you'll do. We had a limited order, and so we bought a few of these shirts in the different sizes. They are available in the bookstore. I would love for us to sell out of these shirts uh, so that as we're in the community, this is a conversation piece. People are interested. People want, what's that about? A few years ago, we did a billboard, and we said, don't visit this website. Put the website, and then we signed it, Satan. That's how we did the billboard. That billboard had, I mean, excuse me, that website had so much web traffic because people were just genuinely curious. What in the world is Satan telling me not to check out? And then it was something we were doing for church. And so I say that. Whenever you wear one of these shirts, you know, we've got invitation cards. And and that's just simply a resource for you. We just want to give you a resource to be able to invite uh, invite friends, invite family, invite the unsaved, uh, invite people you come across in the community. And and that really is the heart behind the shirt is that maybe they'll be curious and you won't even have to start the conversation. They'll start it for you. And so these shirts are available. They're $9. We don't make a single cent on these shirts. We could have rounded it up to $10, but we didn't want to do that. We don't make a dime off anything in the bookstore. It's all just really resources for you. And so hope you'll grab one of those. All right. These shirts and this series Nope, not today, Satan. This is all about the fact that we are, in this series, we are making a declaration. We have just decided, you know what, we're not going to keep falling for the temptations of the enemy. We're not going to keep letting him drag us around and jerk us around. We are standing up to him, and we're looking at Satan during the series, and we are saying, no, sir, not today. It's really a perspective shift. A lot of us look at the Christian life as being like a playground. We are on the playground because it is for our enjoyment. There's some abundant life that's promised right. If we pray to God, maybe He'll answer some of our prayer requests. There are these things that we look forward to, and that is certainly part of it. The answered prayer, the the abundant life, all those things are part of the Christian life. But there's another part that we often neglect, and that is that the Christian life is also called a battleground. It's a battleground that we are at war, we're in the army of Christ, and we have an enemy. The 12th and 13th verse of Ephesians chapter 6 talks about this. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. You put on armor when you're going to war. You put on armor when you're expecting a battle. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, 
to stand firm. Again, these verses are a reminder that this, there's a war going on. It's not a war of flesh and blood, but we are fighting against Satan, against the, the powers of darkness, and so we want to be prepared. Now, I want to be clear. Uh, during this series, we're not, this is not a devil-glorifying series. As a matter of fact, I really even hate to give him the airplay, hate to even talk about him. But the reality is we do have an enemy. And if we want to learn how to defeat him, we've got to know who he is and what he's doing. Scripture calls Satan the father of lies. You've heard me say that many times. He is the father of lies. And I think one of the biggest deceptions that he has perpetrated on Americans is he has lulled us to sleep. He has caused us to not even really know if he's real or not even believe that he's real. Several years ago, the Barna Group, they did a survey. And here's what they found. That a majority of Americans, 68% of Americans thought Satan was real. So 68% of Americans say he is real. That means 32% don't know or don't think he is. So you say, well, Andrew, that's the majority. 68% believe he is real. But of that 68%, 40% of those said, but he's not a living being. He just is a symbol of evil. Did you catch that? Of those that believe that Satan's real, they think, well, he's just kind of like a symbol. I don't know that he's real. Hear me, guys. I, I know all the time we say, well, you know, I believe. Well, you know, here's what I think about this. And we say things like that, and that's okay as long as what we think lines up with Scripture. It's okay if we have a belief about, you know, I believe it ought to be this way. Well, that's okay as long as those beliefs line up with Scripture. But guys, hear me. If what we believe or what we think or what we would rather subscribe to, if that goes against Scripture, then we are wrong and Scripture is right. And in this case, Scripture tells us that, no, He is not a figment of our imagination. He is not some symbol of evil that we have a real enemy and He's really working against us. And so again, what we were doing during this series is we're studying our enemy. Now earlier, Pastor Ivan uh, reminded you that the Super Bowl is tonight. I, given the response, I'm not sure how many of you are, are going to watch it. Um, he asked you to cheer for a team, and I heard somebody yell out chicken wings. So I've got a little Super Bowl illustration I'd like to share with you now, and I'm just going to need you to go with me, Okay. It's not looking real good, but I don't have time to rewrite this message. So tonight's the Super Bowl. I don't know. There's a lot I don't know about. I don't know who are, who's going to win. I don't know what commercials you'll like best. I don't know if the halftime show will be good. Actually, I kind of do. It probably won't. Here's what I do know. I know that for weeks, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have been studying tape of the San Francisco 49ers. I'm helping you, Ivan. 
And vice versa. The 49ers have been studying tape of the Chiefs. And, and what they've been doing for these past few weeks is they have been trying to just study their enemy, to know their opponent, to pick up on tendencies. Because if they can know what's going to happen, if they can figure out, you know what, uh, three out of four times this team runs to the right on third down. Well, then what are they going to do? They're going to stack the box on the right and pray that they don't run to the left. Pray it's not those, that one out of four times. They, they may be looking at offensive linemen. You know, when he's down in a three-point stance, we know it's going to be a run. When he's kind of back in his stance, it's going to be a pass. I'll stop right there with the football illustrations. They are looking for anything they can find, tendencies, habits, tells so that they can know their enemy because tonight they are going to be on the biggest stage millions upon millions of people will tune in to this game some of them probably like many of you are watching for the commercials but they will know you will know who won the game after this and so they're trying to know their enemy now it, I've known that. I've known that people study their enemy. You study your opponent, especially in sports. That's just kind of a normal thing. Here's what I was shocked by. So a few weeks ago, I went to my nephew's basketball game. Nephew's in a little basketball league, and uh, I go. It's the first game I've been to. They've played a couple games before that. And one thing, they're like three games into the season at this point, and, and they already know a few things, Okay. There's five teams in the league. Of the five teams in the league, my nephew's team is one of the best, and there's one other really good team. And the other three teams, I don't know what happened, but this just is not, it's not going to be their year, okay? And so I'm sitting there, and you know, small town, all the parents know, all the other parents and coaches and all that kind of stuff. They're in the third game. They've already got everything figured out. And so this guy walks into the gym, and I'm just sitting there in the bleachers. I don't know nothing. I'm just cheering, go, Garrett, yeah. And I hear, I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they tell me, the guy who just walked in, he's the coach of the other team in that age group that's really good. He doesn't have a team. His team's not playing before this game. His team is not playing after this game. He is there. This grown man got up on a Saturday morning to come and watch another team play. I hadn't even told you the age group yet. You ready for this? 8U basketball. At this point in their basketball careers, the referees are just trying to get the kids to stop walking with the ball <laughs> and dribble. So they're calling travels and stuff. And this coach is scouting out this team. Now that feels like overkill. I'm just going to be honest with you. That feels a little over the top. I get it at professional sports. I get it at college, maybe even high school. When we're talking about 8U sports, it's a little ridiculous to know your enemy. When we're talking about Satan, it is absolutely worthwhile to tune in and to learn because he is at work 
He is real. And so what I want to do, this message this morning is really just designed to be kind of an introduction to the series. I'm going to set up where we're going, what we're doing, and I'm going to, give, I'm going to do that by giving you three facts about Satan. Three facts. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you. Don't worry about writing them down. You're going to get them in the points, okay? Satan is a decided fact. He's a decided fact. He is a destructive force, and he is a defeated foe. He's a decided fact, he's a destructive force, and he's a defeated foe. Now, the reason I am using that verbiage is because you know this, I've told you this before, I grew up in church. When my mom was pregnant with me, we were in church. I have been in church the whole time. I have heard several different pastors use these exact points. And so uh, I've written my own message, but I wanted to I wanted to use these points because that's just how I remember. It's ingrained in me. I mean, it's not scripture, but it I. That's how I know it. And so I wanted to share it with you, and I thought, man, I need to give credit where credit's due. Who came up with this first? And so I did some study, and I got to tell you, I'm not entirely sure, but I think it was Dr. Adrian Rogers. How many of you know who I'm talking about when I say Adrian Rogers? Let me tell you, the rest of you, write that name down. He is amazing. And his sermon about this is on YouTube, and you should go and watch it this afternoon because it's really good. I'm so jealous of Dr. Adrian Rogers. I'm just going to tell you this. For those of you that don't know, he has that deep preacher voice. So good. I don't have that, but I'm jealous. Okay. Let's get in. Number one, Satan is a decided fact. He's real. In other words, that's what we're saying there. He's real. He's not a figment of our imagination. He's not a symbol of evil. Satan is real. And we see him popping up all throughout scripture. In the Old Testament, two of the prophets, Ezekiel and Isaiah, both record about Satan's fall from heaven. I I know a lot of you know this, but there's a lot who may not. Uh, Our church, we have visitors and a lot of you are new in your faith. And so let me just spend some time here. In the Old Testament, here's what we learn about Satan. He started out as an angel in heaven. His name was Lucifer, the bright morning star. He was beautiful in appearance, just amazing angel. And he led worship in heaven. How do we know? Scripture says he had skinny jeans and a faux hawk. I'm just kidding. Scripture doesn't say that, but we can infer that. We can infer that. He was a worship leader in heaven. And then one day something changes. One day something happens and he decides, you know what? I don't want to lead the worship. I want the worship. And so pride filled his heart. He sinned against God and Ezekiel and Isaiah both record that he fell from heaven. Satan, or excuse me, God cast him down. A third of the angels went with him. And so the Old Testament says he's real. Then you turn to the New Testament, and in numerous places, many writers talk about the reality of the devil, the reality of Satan, Beelzebub. He goes by many names, the evil one. But what I think is the most convincing proof of his reality, the most convincing proof that he is a decided fact, is we see that Jesus himself talks about Satan. Uh, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, the disciples come to him and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. 
They've heard Jesus pray many times. They can tell, hey man, His prayers aren't like our prayers, but we want our prayers to start looking like His prayers. And so they go to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray. And Jesus gives for them gives to them a model for prayer. It's what we know as the Lord's Prayer. One of the places you can find it is in Matthew chapter 6. And in this account, in verse 13, Jesus says this, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Deliver us from the evil one. Old Testament writers talked about the reality of Satan. New Testament writers talked about the reality of Satan. Jesus references the devil, evil one, Beelzebub. Again, he goes by many names, but it is Satan. Satan is a decided fact. Number two, Satan is a destructive force. He's a destructive force. Not only is he real, but he's real bad. He has bad intentions for you. He is bent on evil. Now here's here's what happens. So we see cartoons with Satan. We see these different things. And Hollywood has made him, I I shared this a little bit last week. Hollywood's made it like, you know, he's kind of a caricature. He's kind of a big goofball who goes around bumbling. He's got the red cape and the pitchfork. And you see him in cartoons and those kinds of things. And it almost makes the devil feel like approachable. That's the reason why 40% of those who believe in him think he's just a symbol of evil. Hear me, church. He is not a symbol of evil. He is not a caricature. He is evil personified. And he is after you. He is a destructive force. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. In other translations, it says be alert. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. In other words, he is on the hunt. He's not just bad, he, he is intentionally bad. He's bad on purpose. He is hunting. Now I want to go back to something. It says right here, uh, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. I think that's interesting. That when God wanted to help us understand what the devil was like, he had the whole animal kingdom to choose from. And he chose an animal from the cat family. Cats. I'm just reading scripture, people. I know some of you are getting defensive. I'm going to move on. I really have nothing against cats. And I love you if you love cats. Please still come to church here. Here's what I'm doing today, guys. Uh, there were a lot of you that didn't laugh at that cat joke. So here's what I'm doing. I know that for a lot of us, we would rather not think about the devil because to think about him is to acknowledge him. And to acknowledge him, Pastor Andrew, you're telling me he's he's a destructive force. I don't want to think about, I don't want him to be 
real in my life. And so maybe if I don't talk about him, I won't have to think about him. Maybe it, and so it's a little uncomfortable. And, and really and truly, the thing that I hope to do during this series is to help us see that although this is a difficult truth to deal with, maybe a little humor will make it go down a little easier because we don't have to hide from the devil and the reality. Yesterday morning, we were playing hide-and-go-seek in our house, um, and my boys are playing hide-and-go-seek with me. And uh, Mason, he's so funny. He's my five-year-old, and he, he understands the concept. You hide. He's not great at finding the best hiding places, but he understands it, and he, he does it. My two-year-old, it's still kind of a work in progress. And so Landon... I went in to find him, I counted, and I go in to find him, and he is standing in the middle of a room with a pillow in front of his face. <laughs> I know what he's thinking. If, he, if I can't see him, he can't see me. And so, it's funny, it's cute when a two-year-old does it. It's not, it's not good theology for us to do it. It's not good practice for us to just try to hide from Satan. We need to know our enemy. I want to show you about his purpose. In John 10, 10, Jesus is talking here and he contrasts his purpose from the enemy's purpose. Here's what he says. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Again, he is a destructive force. Nothing about that is good for your life. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I've come for a good purpose. I've come to give them abundant life. Satan is bent on destruction. I I'm trying to help you. And so that's why we want to draw in close to Jesus. That's why we want to uh, stick close to Him. That's why we're trying to pursue intimacy with Him because we know that Satan, again, is a destructive force. One other point while we're here. Uh, last week I was asking some of the folks in the church, I said, hey, we're starting a brand new sermon series on Satan next week. Do you have any questions, any I mean, if there's any questions, I bet a bunch of people have them. I want to address it in the sermon. And one lady looked at me and she said, well, Pastor Andrew, I've got a question. Uh, you know, I've always heard that Satan can't hear our thoughts. That's true, right? <laughs> I really want that to be true. Please tell me that that's true. Guys, I know where that comes from. I know where that concern comes from. Because when we see movies... When we read books, when we, when, when we look at Hollywood and what sells, what happens? There is a good guy and there is a bad guy. There is a protagonist and there is an antagonist. And you have this really strong force for good and you have this really strong force for evil and kind of the climax of the story, the, the thing that they build up to in the movie, the thing that they build up to in the book is the moment when good and evil collide. What's going to happen? Will the good guy outdo the bad guy? Will that bad guy get the best of the good guy? They are equal opposites. And, and, and so that's what we think of. You hear the Bible, you read the Bible, and you see, okay, well, there's Jesus and God. He's a good guy. And then there's the devil. He's a bad guy. They must be equal opposites. They're not. 
Absolutely not. Nothing could be further from the truth. Satan, remember, we already said this, he is a created being. He is an angel. And so while he has power, he is not all-powerful. While, he, has, uh, while he's, he knows things, he's not all-knowing. He's not ever-present like God. And so we don't need to ascribe God-like qualities to him. He is not God. He's a destructive force. But he's not on the level that God is. He is a decided fact. So what do we do with that? Well, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded. Be aware. But you know what Scripture doesn't tell us? To be scared. We should be sober-minded, but we don't have to be scared. We should be alert, but we don't have to be anxious. Because the third point, and this is, I'm just going to go ahead and pre-warn you, okay? This, on this point, there ought to be some amens, and there ought to be a little bit of shouting, maybe some hand claps. Because the third point is, although he is a decided fact and a destructive force, he is a defeated foe. Amen? Amen. Only the people who have dealt with the devil were glad about that. You know what it's like to, to fight with him and contend with him. He is a defeated foe. I put up there John 12, 31 and John 16, 11. In both of those verses, and you can look those up later, Jesus says that Satan's judgment is coming and it's certain. But I want to show you his final destination. Here's what is ultimately going to happen to him. So we serve a God who operates outside of space and time. God is sovereign. He knows the beginning from the end. And so he was able to look ahead, see what's going to ultimately happen to Satan. And then it was written. He showed John on the Isle of Patmos. And in Revelation, we see this. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's Satan's ultimate destination. That's his final destination. That's encouraging. He is a defeated foe. But you probably at this point have the same question I have. Okay, that's awesome. I love that. What about in the meantime? What do we do until he's ultimately defeated? Guys, he can be defeated right here today. He can be defeated in your life as well. I want to show it to you. Revelation, excuse me, Revelation. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against what? The schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil. We're putting on the armor of God. It's a battle. We're preparing. The, the Christian life is a battleground. We are in the Lord's army and we're putting on that armor so that we might be able to stand against the schemes of Satan. Now that word schemes, it means methods, it means tactics, it means tricks. Use any, uh, use any adjective you want to there, any synonym rather. Uh, we are able to stand against his 
schemes. Here's the good news. Satan's got a small playbook. We can know what's coming. He's got a couple little tactics that he just does over and over again. So that's the good news. We know what's coming. Here's the bad news. He's really good at those couple. He's got those couple plays down pat. And so he's coming after us. He's coming after us. What we're going to do in the rest of this series, and I told you today was going to kind of set up the rest of the series, is we are going to look at those schemes. We're going to look at those tactics. And so I want to ask you, do everything you can to be here for the next three Sundays. Okay? Do everything you can because we are going to look at those schemes and those tactics. Uh, it's the same scheme that he used on Eve in the Garden of Eden successfully. It's the same schemes that he used on Jesus unsuccessfully in the desert. And it's the same schemes he's using on me and you. Let me give you a hint of what's coming. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. There it is right there. You're like, where? I missed it. Here we go. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Here, here's words we use more often. Possessions, pleasure, position. He's going to come at you in those three areas. And he's sneaky, and he's subtle, and, and he's crafty. Oh, he's got these schemes. He's got these things down pat. He's coming after you. Why is he going to come after you? Because you've got a target on you, my friend. You've got a target on you. Here's why. Because we have the amazing privilege, and I'm not glorifying me, and this is not even about the bridge. This is about Jesus. We, we get the opportunity to be in a church where last year uh, we saw 24 people give their heart to Christ. Last year we saw 12 people get water baptized just here in this location. God is at work. He is moving here. Next Sunday, if everything holds up, we got a baptism class right after this. And there, hopefully everybody will pass. No, I'm just kidding. It's not a pass or fail, but it looks like we're going to have three people who are going to be water baptized. Can I tell you something? Two of those are students here at the University of Mount Olive. Yeah. One of those is a student in student ministry. And Ivan was just talking about student ministry earlier today. And he is kind of giving you some stats and some numbers. But I'm telling you, there are stories. Every one of those numbers has a name. And every one of those names has a story. And God's doing something here. I think about the fact that 19 of you are reading version, the version Bible. We're doing the Bible in a year plan. We're doing it together. Several of you, we passed out 25 paper copies of reading the Bible in a year. Many of you are jumping in. You're doing that. When we draw in an intimacy with God, target, there comes the target. Satan's after us. When, when we hold up the gospel message, like we do here on Sundays, the gospel is central. The fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, born of a virgin, and that He gave His life 
on that cross. He didn't sin, but He bore all my sins and all your sins. And because we hold up the gospel of Jesus Christ, Target, Satan doesn't like that. He doesn't want people getting saved. He doesn't want people getting water baptized. He doesn't want you reading your Bible and putting these things into practice. And so here comes the target. Here come the schemes. And again, I'm not trying to scare anybody. Please, don't walk out of here scared today. Scripture doesn't tell us to be scared. Scripture tells us to be sober-minded. Scripture doesn't tell us to be anxious. It tells us to be alert. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to study our enemy. We're going to see his schemes in our lives. And we're going to be able to say, nope, not today, Satan. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the incredible privilege of being yours. God, the fact that you sent your son for us, the fact that you love us and cared about us. Your word says that, uh, <clears throat> says that rarely will a person die for a good man. Yet even while we were still sinners, you died for us. God, I pray that that message never becomes mundane to us. I pray that that message would never be lost on us that we serve a God who is full of grace and mercy toward us, that loves us unconditionally. And so God, we thank you. It is our desire to please you. It is our desire, God, to draw in in intimacy. It is our desire that over the next few weeks as we learn about the schemes of Satan, we would be able to say, nope, not today, and we would be able to have victory. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice. God, uh, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them to the brim. Fill them to overflow so that they see these schemes coming from a mile away. So that we have the power. I don't have the power in and of myself. But through you, I have the power to say no to these schemes. And so God, I pray for these dear people. I pray for this church. Lord, that we would truly be the salt and light of Jesus in this community that we would lift you up and as we lift you up that you would draw all men into yourself. God, give us a boldness that over the next few weeks we're going to think about people that need to come and be a part of this series. We're going to think about people that need to hear this message. I pray that we would have the boldness to invite them. Lord, that we wouldn't hoard this message but that we would share it with those in need. Father, I thank you so much that you care about us and love us and that you don't just meet us at church, but you go with us, that all during the week you are but a breath away. Father, we thank you for all these things and pray them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen.